Okay, so obviously we're talking about encounter, and we're talking about this for three weeks, starting last week. And so last week we talked about Jacob, and we talked about there's various people, or a lot of facts, lots of people, tons of people. You know, that's what the Bible basically is, is, is a, of course the gospel is a centrality of the, of the Bible, but essentially it's, it's a list of stories of people's encounters with God, right? That's basically what it is, isn't it? People encountering, encountering God. You know, so we've been talking about there's, there's loads of encounters, there's loads of examples you can use. But last week we looked at, at Jacob and his his two major encounters he has with God, the dream that he had, at, and he called that place Bethel, which means house of God. And then he um, wrestled, wrestled with God. The Bible says, and he called that place Peniel, which means face of God, because he said, "I've seen God face to face." And those two encounters they completely changed his life. He had a, obviously an amazing legacy. You know, when, when Isaac's your dad and Abraham's your granddad, you know, you've got a great legacy, right? That's actually a lot of pressure as well, isn't it, to get things, to get things right. It's like, Abraham's my granddad, Isaac's my, my dad. Um, you want to get things right. And Jacob didn't always get things right, if you know from his um, childhood. Jacob and Esau, his, his twin brother, they had a few issues, didn't they, between the two of them. Well, Jacob has his two incredible encounters with God, and in, in a dream, God completely changed his thinking, how God was going to use him and going to use his descendants. And his second encounter, that God changed his walk, changed his whole life forever. You know, God wants us to be having continual encounters with him. Amen? For our lives to never be the same, same again. You know, we all need our own encounter with God. Jacob, coming from that incredible legends of the faith line, Abraham and Isaac, and of course all the promises that were given to Abraham, how God was going to use his, his descendants. And of course, Jesus, of course, is a descendant, direct descendant of Abraham as well. And it was ultimately fulfilled in, fulfilled in Jesus or the blessings of Abraham. But he couldn't live off the encounters of his father or of his grandfather. He needed his own encounter with God. And we need, all need our own encounter with God. You know, if your brothers, your sisters, your children, your, your spouse are having their own encounter with God, that, that's amazing. Praise God for that. But you need your own encounter with God. We can't live off other people's encounters. Amen. So we're going to talk a lot more about encounter this morning, but what I want to talk about specifically, first of all, is, is about the enemies of encounter. There are different things in our lives that will, that will, will stop us from having the encounters that, that God desires us to have, that can prevent us from encountering him as, as we should. So we've got three Ps, a bit of alliteration this morning, three Ps. Can I have a P, please, Bob? I remember that? Blockbusters. blockbusters. I don't remember Blockbusters. You have to be in a certain age group to remember that. Anyway, and they used to ask for a letter to choose, and they'd all say, can I have a P, please, Bob? And they used to get a laugh every time. Anyway, in the program. Anyway, so three Ps. So the first, so these are three things that, 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 that are barriers to us encountering God. God wants us to encounter him. We know that. We need our own encounter with him. But there are, there are barriers, things that will stop us from encountering God. And God will never be the issue. We know that, right? God, God is never the problem. Everyone agree, right? It's just like basic theology. God is God. If you feel like you're in a wilderness experience, and sometimes I, I talk to people and say, well, I feel like I'm in a bit of wilderness. I feel distant from God. Even in that situation, you know, God is not the issue. Everyone agree? God is not the problem. God hasn't gone away. He hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't left you. It's not that suddenly he does, he's not going to be with you. It, it, you know, he promised he'd never leave you or forsake you. He hasn't gone somewhere, right? Everyone agree? We, we will always be, the, and I'm not saying this to condemn anyone or condemn myself or anybody else, but we will always be the issue. There's issues in our relationship with God. It's down to us, right? And, and our own distancing ourselves from God and not spending time with him or whatever it may be. But anyway, so the, these, these are barriers, potential barriers in our lives. So the first one is, is pride. The first P is pride. Now, God doesn't, doesn't do pride. There's lots of scriptures on, on, on pride. And you know, what, what pride was saying in this situation, pride is, is, is thinking that we know it all. 
think that we can do everything in our own strength. That's what pride is. You know, and what we're talking about in terms of encounter thinking, we don't need an encounter with God. It could be, well, that's for everybody else. That's for this person over there. That's for this person, this person, this person. But, that, but that's not for me. I, I, I don't need an encounter with God. I, I know what I'm doing. I, I, I think right. I'm living right. I, I don't need an encounter. Like, that's pride. That's reality. You know, and if you're, if you're a believer this morning, God wants to break pride in your life. God's had to break, and I've said this before from the front, I'm very open and honest about it. God's had to break pride in my life. It has, absolutely. has to, had to break that over the years. Thinking that we can just do it all in our own strength. Thinking that we, thinking that we know it all. Thinking that we, we, we don't need God because I, I can do it. I, I've got this sorted. Also, pride can be just worrying about what other people will think about us. You know, I, I, that's the thing, again, I had to break in my own life. When I, when I was a teenager, brought up in a Christian home and became a Christian when I was only eight. But, and we used to go to, as kids, we used to go to Christian camps and stuff and, and had great worship services. And, you know, I, I refused, to, for ages, I refused to raise my hands. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. And it was totally, it was pride. Looking back at it now, at the time I wouldn't have known because I was still a young Christian. But looking back at it now, it was pride was the problem. Totally was pride. It was just all I was done, all it was is I was worried. I was more worried about what, God, what other people thought of me than what God thought about me. That was the reality. I'm sure loads of you may have been in that same, in that same boat, or still are. Let's stop worrying about what other people think about us, because that's that's what that's what pride does, right? So pride can be a big barrier to us encountering God in the way that He wants us to. One Peter five, verse five and six. Peter writes this: All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God loves humility. God, God is looking for, looking for humble, humble hearts. That we encounter, you know, when, when we encounter God, when we lay down our pride, it means becoming vulnerable. No, but pride is not your friend. And if you want to encounter God, this is something that God needs to, God needs to break. So we're looking at three, three barriers, and we're going to look at some examples in Scripture of where, where, this, where they overcame these barriers. So the first one is pride, first Peter's pride. The second is procrastination. That's a long word. But pro, procrastination, you know, when, you just put, when you just put things up, off to another day, that can be a big issue in life, can't it? <laughs> just, you know, they always say, you know, don't leave tomorrow what you can do today, but sometimes... In my own life, I felt like, well, why do today what you can do tomorrow? <laughs> You've got to shift that around the other way, can't you? You're thinking, oh, you've got to mow the lawn, you've got to tidy the house, or do, do some stuff outside, or whatever you've got to do. And, you know, kind of chores, chores in life, it's like, oh, I really don't want to do it today, let's do it tomorrow. But, and then sometimes it doesn't get done for absolutely months and months and months. And my wife would say that about some of the DIY in the house, it hasn't been done for ages. But anyway, there we go. But procrastination, again, is not your friend. And in terms of our encounters with, with God, it really is not your friend. You know, procrastination, and pride will be connected with this, but it's when you know you need a fresh encounter, you know you, know you need God, but, but you just want to put it off to another day. Oh, well, tomorrow, God, I'll do that. Maybe next week. You know, in, terms of when, in terms of God using us or stepping up or getting involved in teams, you know, maybe that's going to be an issue in your life. So, well, I'll do it next week. Uh, in six months' time, maybe then I'll be ready. It's just procrastination. That's the issue. As if, as if God doesn't want to use you today, Right? And often, so often when we do that, it can turn into weeks and days and then weeks and then, and then months and even, even years. But we just put it off and off and off. You know, Proverbs 27 verse 1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow if you do not know what a day may bring. You know, as Christians, we're, of, course, yeah, of course, God will give real plans for the future and does that and gives us purpose and plans for the future. But as Christians, we should live for God in the moment. I really believe that. We should, we should seize the day. 
Carpe diem, that well-known Latin phrase, isn't it? Seize the day. Seize the day that we have. Today is, a, today is a day that the Lord has made, is what Scripture says. Amen? So let's not be people who procrastinate and put it off. God wants you to have an We're going to pray for people later after the message. And God wants you to have an encounter with him today. Yeah, but that's going to mean maybe breaking some pride. It's going to mean breaking some procrastination off your life. Think, well, I'll do that next week. Don't know a year's time. Or thinking about everybody else. Well, that's for that person. No, that's, that's, God needs to break that pride, right? So pride and procrastination, they're, they're not your friend. And number three, the third P is passivity. Passivity is basically, you know, to sum it up in non-theological terms, it's just you can't be bothered, right? That's what passivity is. It's when you know you need it. And, and this, this um, topic we're talking about in terms of encounters, when you know you need encounter with God, but the reality is, like, well, that's just too much effort. I don't think I can do that. Now, this could be, again, an issue in life, kind of generally. These are things we all have to break in life. Pride, procrastination, passivity. Oh, I just don't really want to do that. I talk to my, my kids a lot about that in you know, kind of the world of, world of work. You, kind of have, you have to battle with that, don't you, sometimes? Because sometimes, and I, I've said to my kids, I said, you know, the Christian, the Christian life is full of doing things you don't necessarily want to do. And it's full of not doing things that you absolutely do want to do. Right? You know, Paul talks about it, doesn't he? He, said, he says about this... Paul talks about that and his kind of like his battle that was going on in his internal battle inside him. He's like, I, I get frustrated with myself because I do the things I, I know I shouldn't do and I don't do the things I know I should do. That's, that's you know, welcome to the Christian life. Yeah. This is reality, isn't it? There's things that your flesh, your, your mind, your will, and emotions you will want to do, you shouldn't do as Christians. And there will absolutely be times where there's things that we should do and our, and our flesh, our mind, will, and emotions won't want to do them. Welcome to the Christian life, right? But this is about being submissive to the Spirit. But that's why we need to break passivity in our lives. And we know we need an encounter with God, and we, do, we all need that, including me. But we found this, we just, we're just like, well, oh, this can't be fast, oh, I'll be all right. Do it another time. Or again, similar to, similar to kind of pride, just concentrating on what others are doing, but not focusing on our own encounters. Just being passive, just being so just kind of laid back about the Christian life. Now, I believe that God doesn't want us to live in worry. Okay, of course that's right. Jesus said, do not worry. But you know what I mean? Just be so laid back. You know, just, just again, just seize the day. Let's not be passive as Christians. Romans 12, verse 11, Paul writes, writes this to the church in Rome. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. The zeal, the word there, means never be lacking in hastiness or earnestness or diligence. That's how it could be translated. Never be lacking in hastiness, earnestness, or diligence. Some translations it actually says never be slothful. It's talking about you know the sloth or sloth, you know the animal. You know, it's the slowest moving animal, isn't it? It's, uh, if you know about a sloth, I've got a picture of it. If you know about a sloth that lives up in trees, and it's just it will just for days and days and days does nothing. That sounds fun in some ways, <laughs> I guess. But and it says some translations say don't be slothful, but never be lacking in zeal and hastiness and earnest and diligence. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Amen. Let's be passionate for, passionate for Jesus. Let's be passionate, not passive. Another P. Be passionate, not passive. Amen? Let, let's be bothered. What I mean is let's make some decisions. Let's be, be intentional about our encounters with God. So there's kind of three big barriers to us encountering God. Pride, procrastination, passivity. I want to look at three examples of this that happened in the Gospels. So the first one is Nicodemus. I'm going to read from John 3, verse 1. It says this. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, 
We know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Nicodemus totally flummoxed by that statement. Um, How can someone be born when they're old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Goodness knows what he was actually thinking at that time. (laughs) He's like, "What what are you on about, Jesus? What are you saying? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of the water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from, where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, because one of the Pharisees, as we've ascertained from the first one. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. You do not understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we've seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. And he reveals about how... crucifixion why jesus exists why jesus was on earth his, his purpose and his plan for his life just as moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness so the son of man must be lifted up is that so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life in him and then it goes of course famous in john three sixteen. for god so loved the world he gave his one no son whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life for god did not come into the world to, to condemn the world but to save the world through him and so this, this is this is you know fundamental to the gospel but this is also jesus revealing his heart to nicodemus and what the Christian life was, was all about. So Nicodemus has this incredible encounter uh, with Jesus. You know, but those, those three things, their pride, procrastination, passivity, they could easily have been barriers. They could easily have prevented him from encountering Jesus. You know, Nicodemus is completely transformed. His thinking about uh, understanding of, you know, of God was completely changed in this moment. This encounter, it corrected all his wrong theology, and there was a whole load of wrong theology. He was totally wrapped up in religion, as a lot of the Pharisees were. They're the very people who should have known who Jesus was. They knew what the scripture said, knew all the prophecies inside out. They should have totally got who Jesus was. It should not have been a shock to them, you know, who, who Jesus was. And all the, you know, and all the, you know, of course, all the uh, miracles he was doing as well. It should not have been a surprise to them. But this encounter completely corrects his wrong theology and it replaces religion about God with a relationship with him. And it completely transforms Nicodemus' life. But those three things could so easily be barriers. You know, pride, Nicodemus so easily could have thought, well, I'm a Pharisee. Who, who, who is this guy who they didn't really get at that stage was a savior. But who is this guy to tell me what to, I'm, I'm a Pharisee? He could easily have responded, couldn't he? He so easily could have missed his encounter. Again, he could have had issues of procrastination. Or, you know, Nicodemus, he, he kind of goes to find Jesus. He could have said, well, I'll just do that another day. Couldn't he? And I missed, I missed it. Again, he could, he could have been passive. Oh, well, do you know what? I just, I just can't, I don't know, I'm tired. <laughs> I had a hard day at work, whether Pharisees did work-wise. I guess they were just teaching uh, people the law all day, I guess. I've had a hard day at work. I'm just a bit tired. You know, passivity, it could have cost him his encounter with, with Jesus, right? Let's look at another one, a Samaritan woman who Jesus encounters. John 4, verse 7 to 18 says this. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? So they were sitting by a well. His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. There was no, we've talked about this before. I mean, Jesus tells the story of the, um, 
you know, the Good Samaritan. There was kind of no love lost between Jews and Samaritans. They really did, really strongly disliked each other for all sorts of reasons. But Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who is it that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing. So she didn't, again, a bit like Nicodemus, didn't understand what Jesus meant. She thought he was just talking about the well. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? We were talking about Jacob earlier, obviously. Who gave us this well and drank from it himself as did also did his sons and his livestock. This is one of, famously known as Jacob's well. So it's dug right back in. Uh, Genesis is a time. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water. So they won't, I'm still not sure she understood what he meant, okay, which he was, thought he was talking about natural water. But, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back to draw water. Jesus just wanted to kind of just initiate some conversations here. So Jesus says, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. And of course Jesus knew that, but he was initiating this conversation. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you have now is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. She has this incredible encounter. Let's skip ahead to verse 35, skip a few verses. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared... I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman because that would, would have been very unusual, especially a Samaritan woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of their town and made their way towards him. So it's a Samaritan woman, she has this incredible encounter with Jesus. Totally changed her life. And actually totally changed a whole load of other people's lives as well. Because then she becomes like this great witness for Jesus. She's completely changed by his presence. I met a man who knew everything about me, told me everything I ever did. And, you know, could this man, could this man be, be the Messiah? And, and illustrated all this stuff about living water. And, and this, is what she was, this is what she was trying to find in men. Basically, essentially what Jesus was saying. Is, well, all this stuff you're looking for in blokes, you're going to find, you need to find in me. This is what your issue is. This is why you're, you're kind of, if I can say it in this way, this is why you're kind of going through blokes. Because what you need is me. You're trying to find some sort of satisfaction that only I can give you. It was a spiritual satisfaction. It's what she was longing for. Does that make sense? That's essentially what was going on here. It's what Jesus said. No, you need this true living water. You're not going to find this in, in, in a guy. You know, it's, it's great to be married. It's awesome. Okay, but, but spiritually, you know, your spouse can't satisfy you. It's only, it's only God that can do that. Amen. So again, coming back to these barriers of barriers to encounter, you know, pride could have been a massive issue, couldn't it? Here, she could have been like, "Who does the guy think he is?" You know what I mean? He initially, he intentionally brought up about her having a husband. Of course, Jesus, Jesus knew she didn't have a husband because he knows all things. But so he he deliberately kind of provoked a conversation. Go call your husband and come back. And she could have been, well, "Who does this guy think he is? He's, he's judging me, couldn't he? Easily." Again, she could have had procrastination. She, she could have, she could have like, well, this conversation is for a, a, another day. We'll do it another time. She, she so easy could have been passive. Oh, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure I'm bothered about this this, this conversation. Let's, let's let's do this another time. How different could her story have looked with Nicodemus? How different could his story have looked? How different could her story have looked if she hadn't they hadn't broken through these barriers to encounter? Amen. Okay, the third example and final one: the woman with the issue of blood. Luke 8, verses 42 to 48. 
As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. That's a long time. But no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. When they all, and the disciples didn't really understand what, they meant, what Jesus meant by that. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus says, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could go, not go unnoticed, she came trembling and fell at Jesus' feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she'd been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. So his encounter totally changes her life. She's been subject to this bleeding for 12 years. And no one had been able to heal her. Seen every doctor in the land, no one could do anything about it. But just one encounter with Jesus, it transforms her life forever. But again, how, how different could her story have looked? Could have looked totally different, couldn't it? If, if pride had been an issue in her life, if she hadn't broken through that, the pride and maybe the embarrassment of what the, the issue was, that could have been a massive thing, couldn't it? And don't forget, in, in, in the way things worked in that day, under the law, she'd have been seen as unclean. No one would be allowed to touch her. A woman or a man would be allowed to touch her because she had this constant, constant bleeding. So she would have been seen as unclean, like a, almost, almost like as bad as a leper in kind of the way, way things were in those days. So she had to break through that pride, thinking, what are other people going to think about me? No, but I know that there's this guy, this is, this is the son of God. He, he can heal me. I've seen these other, you know, I expect she's seen these other miracles that Jesus has done. Maybe she's been in other crowds or she's just heard about it by word of mouth. This, this guy can heal me. Amen? Again, procrastination could have been a huge problem, couldn't it? Oh, I don't think I can get through the crowd. It says about how bad the crowds were. I, I don't think I can get that. I'll, I'll try another time. I'll see him another time. She could, she could have missed her encounter. Well, again, she'd been passive and just like, been laid back about it. Oh, I, 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 don't, I just don't want to bother him. I don't, I don't want to bother Jesus. He's got plenty of other people to heal. And she could easily have thought that. Or maybe she was thinking, but she broke through those barriers. How different could her story have ended? She experienced total healing and wholeness in her encounter with, with Jesus. So in these three encounters, we see that when Nicodemus is thinking transformed, the Samaritan woman, his, his, her lifestyle is transformed, and the woman with the issue about her health is completely transformed. They're completely made, and they're made whole in every single way, but they're totally transformed. So what was true about all of those three examples, and there, oh, there could be tons, you know, right throughout the gospel, all these encounters with Jesus, there's so many written down for us. And the Bible says about this, there's too many to write down for them, even better, better, it would have just like filled all the books in the land. There's so many encounters that happened with Jesus. But what was true about all of those three people is they didn't give in to those enemies of encounter, the pride, procrastination, passivity. So I just want to encourage you uh, this week, don't give in to those encounters. Because you may have a bit of a battle, you might. Let's just be real about this stuff. Let's be real about, about Christianity and, and the Christian life. You might have a bit of a battle. And, and you know, especially going in time of prayer and fasting. Fasting is not easy. If you find it easy, great. <laughs> awesome. I don't find fasting easy at all. You know, for me, I'll be, I'll be giving up food and certain foods. and I don't find that easy. You know we, know, we know that we're not like uh, kind of jumping through some spiritual hoops or doing something religious, but it's about, it's about laying aside things for the purposes of God I mean, and spending that time in, in, in prayer. It's about humbling yourself, again, humility. Amen? Don't give in to those enemies. We go into this week of prayer and fasting tomorrow. You'll probably argue, you might have to, buy, to battle pride, you might have to battle procrastination, you might have to battle passivity, but let's break through those barriers. And makes all these three examples, they could have missed their encounter with God. And God does not want you to miss his, your encounter with him this week. If you've been counting on a daily basis, we're counting him today and we pray for people in a minute. Amen? 
Let's not give in to those enemies' encounters. Let's be intentional. Now, just to kind of bring in another P, the fourth P, you know, because those people, they didn't give in to those enemies of encounter, essentially they, they postured themselves for encounter. They postured themselves. Because they didn't give in to pride, they didn't give in to procrastination, they didn't give in to passivity. What they did is they postured themselves for encounter. And that's what God wants you to do today and throughout this coming week and throughout your Christian life, to posture yourself for encounter. To lay those enemies aside, to lay those things aside. Say, God, I want to encounter you today. I want you to change me today now God wants you to meet with him today, God wants you to meet with him in the week ahead God wants you to have a fresh encounter with him, and just like Nicodemus' life has changed, the Samaritan woman's life has changed the woman with the issue of blood has changed, all disciples' life has changed, the apostle Paul's life has changed you know, we could go for a list for, for ever, and that, ever and ever, and that doesn't include all the Old Testament people, you know, Noah and Moses and Abraham and Jacob as we talked about and all those people whose lives are completely transgidian the lives are totally transformed by encounters with God, amen God wants your life to be transformed by encounter with him, amen amen so, so we want to pray, myself and Wendy, we want to pray for people this morning. Because I believe God wants you to have an encounter with him this morning. If God wants to change your thinking, bring, bring healing, bring wholeness, whatever your situation might be, your circumstances may be. Maybe you can identify with, 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 with Nicodemus, maybe you can't be all caught up in religion. God wants you to have an encounter with him and, and reveal his heart and his heart for wanting a relationship with you and a deeper relationship with you. Maybe you've got a healing issue like the woman with the issue of blood. God wants to break that through today. Make that right once and, and for all. Maybe there's some, some stuff that's going on in your life like the Samaritan woman. It's stuff that maybe there's some, some sin and some, some habits and it's not great and not that anyone's judging anyway God's, and God's certainly not judging. But it's stuff that does need to break. And God wants that to break this morning but that will break in an encounter with him this morning. Amen? Amen. So, Dan, if you could play that song, um, that's right. We just uh, just listen for this for for a minute, and then we get people to people to come forward in a second. So, just allow God to minister to your heart. But as you as you listen to this, posture yourself for encounter this morning, and for the week ahead. Let's say pride. Doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. This is about between you and God. Don't procrastinate, don't leave it off for another day, so I'll do that next Sunday, I'll do that another time, and I'll do that in a week, a month. Don't be passive this morning, step in, seize the day, all that God has for you. So just allow this to minister to your hearts. Thanks, Dan.